be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, this is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods. And I shall say to myself, now it's for you. You have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This night your life will be demanded of you and the things you have prepared to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. See some new faces. I know we have some visitors. If you're a visitor, welcome to our church, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, our parish family. Um, you have caught us in the middle of a homily series this summer. We've been going through the Apostles' Creed. We only have three more weeks to get through the Apostles' Creed, and we are at the part of the Creed that states, From there, He, meaning Jesus, will come to judge the living and the dead. This week we talk about the judgment of God. First, what comes to mind when I say the word discrimination? When I say the word discrimination, a lot of times there's a negative reaction, a ne- negative feeling. Maybe even it seems like something that is always bad, something we should never do, discrimination. It depends on the definition. It depends on what we mean. Like any word, there's multiple meanings in different situations. You know, when I looked it up, the second meaning of the word discrimination often under, a, you know, in a dictionary, they have meaning one, meaning two, all that. The second one is the one that is rightfully bad. Right? The second meaning is to make an unjust or prejudicial distinction, the treatment of different categories of people. That's bad. But the first definition is important. We actually need it. It just simply means to recognize a distinction, to differentiate to make a judgment. We need that. Obviously, the other one is bad, but we need to be able to distinguish between things, particularly between good and evil. If we can't make that judgment, if we can't distinguish, discriminate between what's good and evil, we actually hurt ourselves. We hurt our communities. We hurt our families. St. Paul actually makes this distinction in the second reading to Colossians. He's writing to the church of uh, Colossae, and he says, Put to death then the parts of you that are earthly, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, that's idolatry. And he just says, stop lying to one another. Just blanket statement. He's pointing out distinguishing evil from good, and that is good. We need to discriminate between evil and good. 
But then at the bottom of the reading, the last part that we read in Colossians, he says we shouldn't discriminate in these areas. He says here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave free. Right? Don't discriminate. Don't separate. These are not important distinctions. Christ is all and in all. So Paul, as well as just God in his revelation, says we need to distinguish between good and evil, but don't make distinctions between people. Don't discriminate between people. You know, the, the, one of the verses in, in Scripture and in the Gospels that a lot of times people use to say we shouldn't judge at all is actually proof that the Lord asks us to make these distinctions. It starts, and rightly so, people misunderstand. It says, do not judge so that you may not be judged. So people say, oh, God doesn't want us to judge. What he really means is don't judge somebody's soul. We're not the judge of somebody's soul. But then Jesus goes on. He says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus says, first take the log out of your own eye. Why does he want you to take the log out of your own eye? So that you may see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Jesus is not talking about lint in your eye. Okay, like the, the speck is sin. And we need to recognize, distinguish good and evil in ourselves so that we can help each other and distinguish. We do not judge souls. I don't know who's going to heaven or hell. I, it's not mine to decide. But I am called and we're all called to help each other discriminate between what's good and what's evil. We, we are, ought to make judgments. When we make laws outlawing murder, we're making a judgment. And that's good. We should make that judgment. Murder's bad, right? When we hold someone accountable for murder, we are making a judgment. You know, actually, even when we forgive someone for murder, we're making a judgment because you can't give mercy for something that's good. When we forgive someone for murder, we're actually recognizing and making a judgment that that murder is bad. You cannot have mercy without justice is another way of putting it. You can never judge another soul. That's the prerogative of God. And as the creeds say, this is what we're talking about today. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. God is our judge. He does distinguish. He does separate. A lot of times we want to gloss over that because it's uncomfortable. We don't like to think about the other option, right? We want heaven. We want eternal beatitude. We don't want to think that there's this other reality of rejecting God. And some even some preachers and even priests will, will say either not preach about hell or just say hell doesn't exist. That is not true. If we look at scripture, Matthew 25, Jesus does distinguish and says he's he's preaching to the people before him. He says, when the son of man comes in glory and all the angels with him, they will sit. He will sit on his glorious throne to so the judgment seat and before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate them one from another. Separate, right? Distinguish as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And how does the distinction happen? Well, whenever you fed the hungry, whenever you clothed the naked, whenever you gave drink to the thirsty, then you have decided to love. 
And then you receive eternal beatitude. But when you did not, you decided to reject love. Jesus is clear. He will be our judge. God judges. He separates. Hell is a real possibility. Again, people might hear me say hell is a real possibility. And they go, oh, that's just, you're just harsh. That's a little harsh. You know, like what about God is love? Raise your hand if you've ever heard God is love. Okay, yeah, everybody, because it's in the Bible, uh, the, the letter of St. John. He says, Deus Caritas says, God is love. You know the existence, the reality of hell is because he loves? Let me explain. You cannot be forced to love. You cannot be coerced to love. In fact, love has to be a free choice. And with freedom comes the possibility of rejecting that love. That is what hell is, is a rejection of the love of God. You know, uh, yesterday was the anniversary, 100 year anniversary of uh, G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite authors. You would know by now um, if you're listening to the homilies and we've been reading his stories on Wednesdays. 100 years ago, he converted. He had a little saying and I kind of summarize it this way. He says, do you want me to give you a compliment? You want me to give you a compliment? You can go to hell. I'm like, Father Brad's going crazy. What does, it, what does he mean? Well, that was my summary. This is what he actually said. He said, hell is God's great compliment to the reality of human freedom and the dignity of human choice. Hell is God's great compliment to the reality of human freedom. He respects our freedom The catechism says it this way. Mortal sin is a radical possibility of human freedom, as is love itself. If you have the freedom to love, you have the freedom to choose, then you also have the freedom to reject. Think of the garden. Who's who's running away from whom? God does not turn his back on Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. That's hell. Our choice to turn our back on God. Sometimes we have a false idea of God's judgment, right? The, uh, the judgment of God. We think God is this old guy in the sky with a beard and he's got like a notebook, a little moleskin, right? And he's like, I'm going to tally up all your good things and I tally up. Oh, you did a good thing. Boop, tally. Oh, another good thing. Boop, tally. Oh, really bad thing. Tally, tally, right? And you're just tallying it up. That's what we think. And at the end of our life, God's going to look us and he's going to place us before him. And he's going to say, look, you had more good tallies than bad tallies. You get to go to heaven and you had a lot more bad tallies and good tallies. So I'm going to send you to hell. I'm going to punish you because you didn't follow my rules. That's what we think sometimes God's judgment is. Uh, that's not God's judgment. What is the judgment of God? Think of it more like this. I can sum it up with one word. Honesty. Honesty. The judgment of God is us being real. We have so many opportunities to not be real, to hide, to brush things under the rug, to throw another skeleton in the closet, to post our life, uh, the facade of our life on social media, to hide things from our spouse, to hide things from our bishop, from our community. Look, if people knew the deepest parts of our heart, we'd be scared. But that's what God's judgment is. It's honesty. It's God looking us naked. 
Everything exposed in him saying this. What do you want? That's God's judgment. He says, honestly, what do you want? Do you want love? Do you want happiness? Do you want fulfillment? Do you want eternity? Or do you not? Because he will give you what you want. If you do not want heaven here, why would you want heaven for eternity? End with a quote by St. John Henry Newman. He expresses this idea of God's judgment and the reality of hell in a very helpful way, I think. He says, if we wish to imagine a punishment for an unholy, reprobate soul, someone who's evil, who's done evil things, who's rejected God, if we want to imagine a punishment for an unholy soul, we perhaps could not fancy a greater one than to summon it to heaven. Heaven, St. John Henry Newman said, would be hell to an irreligious man. Think about that. Heaven would be hell to an irreligious man. What do you want? Because what you want, God will give you. At the end of our life, we stand before the Lord. Can we say, Lord, you are the lover of my soul. I wanted you. I want you now. Save me. He'll say, good. I love you too.